You're listening to the Vikes Verified Podcast. Welcome back to the Vikes Verified Podcast. This is Nick along with my co-host Matt talking all things Vikings. A couple weeks into the offseason now. Um, really tough not playing football this time of year, honestly. I know you feel that as well, but that's why we're here to cover all things offseason and see what we can do to get to this level next year. Yeah, like you said, uh, I wish we were playing this last weekend. Um, would have been fun to be in San Fran uh, and really see how we matched up there. But unfortunately, I think our defense wasn't up to the task. And it might have just been one week longer season for us. Um, but still, you know, like uh, like KOC and Quezzy said, they're chasing that championship standard. And that's really what uh, this whole offseason is about. We made a lot of good strides in our first year. Great things that we saw from Kevin O'Connell and this team and has instilled a lot of trust in them. And now we have to, you know, rely on that really in this offseason and and not question the decisions that they make because they obviously have a set plan. And we just need to be confident rolling with that because so far things have worked out. 100%, Matt. And the Vikes Verified Podcast is sponsored by Jimmy's Dressing and Dips. We can't all be mad scientists like the original Jimmy, so they've made the mixing easy with Jimmy's French Blue Cheese Dressing, combining delicious and locally sourced blue cheese crumbles into Jimmy's delicious French dressing. If you're a DIY type, you can always do the mixing yourself. Otherwise, just press the easy button and pick up a bottle of Jimmy's French Blue Cheese. Vikes Verified is also sponsored by Duke Cannon. If your hair is a weapon or you wish it was, you won't find better hair and hygiene products for men than Duke Cannon. If you're looking to start taking your salad seriously, start with Serious Flow Lightweight Main Tainer from Duke Cannon. You can find Duke Cannon products at Target or DukeCannon.com. Fair enough, man. I want to get back to that championship standard you were just mentioning. Um in my opinion, somewhat of a cliche statement. I mean, a lot of teams are going to say that, you know, they hold themselves to that championship standard. But I just want to talk about what that championship standard is in terms of a personnel standpoint. You look at the teams that are still playing this time of year. We obviously just saw Dallas lose, but now we've got San Francisco. Um, the championship standard, do you think that lies in a building a championship-style defense building a championship style offense or having a little bit of both? Or do you think it's more of a chemistry and culture thing? I think it starts with the chemistry and culture. If that's not there, it doesn't matter how much talent you have. You're not probably going to win at a high rate and at the level that everyone wants to be, you know, chasing that Lombardi trophy. Um, it starts with the chemistry and culture, but then you have to supplement that with the talent on both sides. It's not one side or the other. The best teams have, you know, equal talent on both sides and really – you have to build off of each other. You have to help out, you know, when the offense may be sputtering, let's have that trust in that defense to get some stops. Same with defense. If they're kind of lagging, let's see if that offense can get rolling, get a couple touchdowns and kind of take some of that pressure off. So things go hand in hand when it comes to talent, um, you know, because if we just had Justin Jefferson, that's great, but he can't play all the positions and make all the plays. Unfortunately not. So we have to find, though. you know, all those other players who can fit and fit into what we are trying to be as a team, as a whole, and really fit into our vision, um, into the schemes and how we want to attack other teams. So I think for us, it's really a mixture of that. But, uh, you know, you see a lot of these teams like Buffalo, Cincinnati with Joe Burrow and them, um, you know, Kansas City, 49ers, those are some very well-respected teams. You know, you got the Eagles who have really made a name for themselves in the last few years. Um, and it makes you wonder, you know, what it what really flips that switch. And I think, you know, to me, it's, it is that chemistry 
you know, built in with that talent. And that's the special thing is if you have those two things working for you and you have a coach that you truly believe in, um, those, those are the things that you really need to be truly successful. And I think Kevin O'Connell is a guy who can lead this team and has shown that. And now we just need to kind of put that all together. Okay. I like that answer a lot. It's about having guys in the building you can believe in, like you're saying, but I also think it just starts with setting the expectation. And um, you see it this weekend, the Buffalo Bills um, not meeting their expectations, to quote Stefan Diggs, uh, saying, do you want me to just be fine with this, not holding up to the standard, losing conference championship, divisional playoff games? Uh, they can't seem to get to the Super Bowl themselves. So um, obviously guys in the Buffalo Bills locker room and front office probably need to take a look in the mirror and maybe reevaluate that strategy. Um I do like the quote, however, from Quezzi and Kevin, um, just setting a standard of excellence, I think, is really what it comes down to. Um, and I think a big part of that is uh, removing defensive coordinator Ed Donatel from the fold. Uh, we saw him get relieved of his duties last week, um, something we were probably expecting to see. But uh, to be honest, there was a little bit of gray area there where we thought maybe he was going to stick around. Now, Kevin danced around this pretty well in his press conference, um, kind of saying he was still in the evaluation process with Ed, wasn't quite sure what his fate was going to be, but he, we both know that at that time uh, he probably knew what was about to happen. So um, how does the firing of Ed Donatel change uh, the Vikings front office and the immediate search for a new defensive coordinator beginning? Well, like you touched on, I think the decision was probably made before that press conference, but you had some people on social media who were criticizing Kevin O'Connell and Quezzi for – quote unquote, not having, you know, the stones to go put that out in public in front of all the media and answer a bunch of questions. To me, um, that take makes no sense as being just genuine and a humble, you know, respectful coach. You're not going to throw him under the bus in front of the whole media yeah. and really start uh, a fire where there doesn't need to be. Um, so for people to really chase after Kevin O'Connell on something like that is just kind of odd to me. That was more of an ode of respect of, hey, you've been in the league for a long time. We're not just going to go out there and throw your name, you know, out into the into the wild and see what the media turns into this and yeah. then have to answer all those questions. So for me, that's where it started. Um, you know, that decision was made. And I think if you look at any of the social media posts from the Vikings or anything really related to them, every response was fire Ed, fire Ed. You know, don't respond until Ed's yeah. gone. Do you feel like that's the easy thing to say, though, obviously, when a yeah. defense struggles? I mean, people probably, sure. majority of people pay, saying that, probably 90% of them have no clue what Ed Donatello's pedigree is, nothing. Yeah. That's, but, the, uh, that's the league, though. Someone has yeah. to take the fall. There's always a scapegoat. <clears throat> and Ed was that scapegoat. So for me, I mean, I was on the board. I was on board with it. I think from the beginning of the season with the lack of pressure, really the inability to teach this defense and the scheme that he's trying to run spoke volumes to me. Um, and really with the amount of, you know, players and veterans that we had, it's not like it's all rookies that you're trying to teach. These guys have a good understanding of concepts. And, and I yeah. know switching into a different They're scheme is completely players. different. But you should have a good understanding. You should be able to teach a lot of these guys, um, you know, enough where we're not having these huge lapses like we did in the Giants game in the playoffs after how many games. You know, you just can't have that. And I think that was all Kevin O'Connell needed to see and Quezzi for them to know that this isn't exactly the right fit. And, you know, props to them for cutting it off before anything got longer than it needed to be. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kudos to Ed. He kind of gave a little statement on his way out thanking the fans and the coaching staff. So best of luck to him. But, uh, you know, I'll bring up some guys that I think might be able to replace him. 
and guys that we're interested in. And, and specifically, it starts with Brian Flores. Uh, you know, he's been former Miami Dolphins head coach, back with the Steelers, has had a little bit of rough lengths with the NFL, but you cannot deny his talent as a defensive coordinator. And then you've got guys like Sean Desai and Ryan Nielsen. I would think those three right now are the top um, three candidates. Nick, out of those guys, who really kind of stands out to you? Well, granted, I don't know much about Ryan Nielsen and Sean Desai. I'm guessing that uh, Quizzy's cross pass with them in the past, probably Kevin O'Connell yes. as well, so that you know they have a lot more insight than us, obviously. Um, Brian Flores, however, like you said, I think he's just a guy that could bring an attitude to the defense, kind of bring a mentality. Uh, what we're looking for, spending the last couple of years in Pittsburgh, uh, working under Mike Tomlin, um, that's always known as a hard-nosed football team that has a good defense. It has been as long as we've been alive. So um, for him to get that experience over there, you know he's probably looking for another opportunity to be the head coach of a team, and I don't blame him. Um, a lot of things are muddy with the way he was, uh, the way he exited Miami at the end of his tenure there. But if he wants a job for a competitive team and he wants to look to take the reins of a defense, on, I, don't, I don't see why this is a bad place to go at all. I mean, there's a lot of talent for him to work with, uh, depending on who we retain from this defense. Like we said, there's not going to be all of the same faces around here next year, but I'm sure he's he could come in immediately and have a say in the type of players that he wants to stick around and the type of players that he'd be fine with leaving. Yeah, and I think you're spot on there. I think uh, Flores really brings an aggressive defense, and that was something that I think all fans wanted to see and were used to kind of with that Mike Zimmer-led yeah. you know, double-A, double-A gap, gap <laughs> consistent blitzes. Yep. That was something I missed. You know, there's not a lot of things I missed from Mike Zimmer's days, but that double A gap was something that I truly did miss having. Um, I just thought, you know, the lack of that really changed this whole defensive, basically mindset and mentality. We almost looked a little bit softer out there in a way. Now, I know those guys are trying their hardest, but we have to bring kind of that aggressive mentality. It starts with the defensive play caller, and you have to instill that into the players themselves. And Flores is, you know, one of the more aggressive blitzers. He's You're going to see a lot of one-high safety looks. I want some corner blitzes. I want to bring Low the box, you know, exotic blitzes, delayed blitzes. That's all stuff that's exciting to us and fans. Um, so I think for me, he's at the top of my list if I had to, you know, rank those three. Mm-hmm, if I had to go one below, it'd probably be Sean Desai. Um, former Bears defensive coordinator, but also was recently just in Seattle, you know, helping out that secondary with guys like Tariq Woolen, mm-hmm. Quandre Diggs, um, you know, Jamal Adams. There's there's a lot of good talent over there, and they had a very good season. So for me, he'd probably be next on the list. And then a guy in Ryan Nielsen, I don't, to be quite honest, know a ton about him. Um, I know he runs a similar style defense and and has a little bit more of an aggressive nature. But uh, he'd probably be third on my list. Nothing against him. I just have a lot of things that I like about those first two candidates that I think can provide a different uh, tenacity to this defense and and maybe change the way that we look at playing these offenses, especially in a high-paced, fast-scoring league. Uh, So to me, that's where it starts. But I think right now they're in a good spot with those candidates, and we just got to be happy that's not Ed at the helm anymore. Yeah, definitely. And uh, regarding Ryan Nielsen spending his a lot of his time with the Saints developing that D-line, you look at some of the players he's worked with as well. Cam Jordan has always been an absolute problem uh, playing the Vikings, son of Steve Jordan, Vikings legend. Um, Marcus Davenport as well, developing on that defensive line in New Orleans. And then Trey Hendrickson, before he went to the Bengals, uh, really made a name for himself on that defensive line. So I, it's no surprise that Ryan Nielsen's getting interviews. He interviewed with the Falcons as well on Tuesday. 
Um, he's kind of a guy that's due for that, I think, next job out of position coach and get to be a coordinator. So um, I totally trust our evaluation process. But like you said, at the top of this list is Brian Flores because of where he's been, the mentality he brings. I think it'd be really kind of a good cop, good cop bad cop scenario with yep. – uh, Kevin O'Connell and Brian Flores. I think Kevin's kind of a more lighthearted, um, I wouldn't say as hard-nosed of a football coach as Brian Flores maybe is. He brings, you know, the toughness and a lot of confidence on the defensive side of the ball, whereas Kevin's more of a, you know, X's and O's, great communicator, likes to keep things fun with the guys. So um, I think it could be a really great thing bringing him in here. There's no question about his ability. It just comes down to does he want to come to Minnesota and try to make a difference. Yeah, and I think whoever we bring in, um, not only are we maybe going to see a change in scheme or, may, you know, aggressiveness, things like that, what I'm more interested to see is who out of this core veteran group on the defensive side is going to – are they going to want to stick around and who they may be more willing to move. I think that group includes guys like Daniil Hunter, Zadarius Smith, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith, and Pat Pete. Mm-hmm. I think that's really the core decisions that they have to make. If there were, let's say, one or two guys that, you know, you had to keep, um, who would it be on that side of the ball that you would want to see in purple, you know, regardless of who comes in and, and what defense they run? Is there someone or two guys that you really are set on? I mean, one is definitely Harrison Smith. I just think because of the production that he still showed this year, I think he can still play. I think he's got a lot of ball left in him. And like we've talked about many times before, he just it'd be nice to see him be a Viking for life, right? Um I think the next guy, I think it comes down to what they plan to do with them and how they plan to deploy some of these guys. But I think we're going to end up keeping one between Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter. seems to be kind of where I'm leaning right now. I think one of them needs to be moved for draft capital potentially. Um, So it's going to come down to whoever gets this coordinator job, uh, what they see in their skill set and what they're trying to do on the defensive side of the ball as to who stays. But – um, I'm going to say Harrison Smith, and then I think one of these pass rushers is going to stick around as well. Okay. Uh, How about you? For me, I, I think we're both on the same boat here. I want to see Harrison Smith end his days in purples, and I still think he has a lot left to give. Uh, so it starts with Harrison Smith. Then it kind of gets tough for me. I have a, a very 50-50 type feel on Daniil Hunter and Eric Kendricks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're spot on in that one of these guys is going to stay, which is why I'll probably lean and say Daniil Hunter, who I want to keep. Um, now, that's very hard to say because Eric Kendricks is a guy, for me, that's going to be very tough to see leave if that does happen. Yeah, He's a guy that I think I'm going to need to see another – and I don't even know if you can consider it a down year, but I'm going to have to see another year like this last one to really kind of put the the coffin in on him that he's not the same player. I tend to believe that it's more scheme than just his age, and I think he still has a lot to produce. He might have just been misutilized in that 3-4 defense. Mm-hmm. And depending on what they run, um, if, if it favors them, I'd like to see him get another crack at it. Yeah, I, I'm not opposed to that at all. Um, those of you that tuned in and watched the 49ers-Cowboys game this weekend, um, Fred kind of Warner. blowing up over Twitter is Fred Warner running up the seam with C.D. Lamb, stride for stride, making a play on the ball. Uh, Vikings fans remember when Eric Kendricks did that with another star receiver in Devontae Adams mm-hmm. uh, multiple times at Lambeau Field. I believe it was 2019 or 2020, but um, there's no question that Kendricks' capability was up there with some of the best when yep. he probably two years ago when he was highly regarded as the top linebacker in the league. Him and Fred Warner were kind of running the show. Um, 
So, yes, I could see, you know, an abrupt scheme change like this and an entire new front office and coaching staff. You know, that can definitely affect a player's performance. Like I've talked about previously, thinking a little bit too much on the football field and not relying on those instincts that got you to the NFL, the instincts that made you a multiple time pro bowler, all pro. You know what I mean? So I think he has plenty left to give as well. And I think it's just going to come down to the coordinator and who he prefers to stick around because like I said, I think whoever comes in this coordinator is going to really have the reins on this defense. I think Kevin's going to stick to the offensive side of things and uh defensive coordinator is going to have basically full control. Yeah. And it kind of flipped a 180 on us here. Um, you know, we talked about hiring a defensive coordinator who, what, what, and who that's going to look like. Uh, on the other side of the ball, we're actually having the opposite problem. We got teams trying to poach our guys, yeah. you know, guys like Keenan McCardell, who's a very well-respected wide receiver coach, has a great relationship with guys mm-hmm. like KJ Osborne, Justin Jefferson, and obviously um, has been, you know, a veteran in the league. So he knows what he's doing. Uh, he's been, you know, he had an interview with the Patriots. He's now got another one with the Buccaneers. Yep. I believe our passing game coordinator has one with the Ravens. And Wes Phillips had to deny um, an offensive coordinator interview for the Chargers, which speaks volumes into what he thinks this offense can turn into. Mm-hmm. But the fact that teams are trying to poach into the staff just goes to show how much of a star-studded lineup Kevin O'Connell has under him. Yeah. And it seems like it's only a matter of time before we might lose a guy or two because right now it seems like half the league, you know, a lot of these teams are really dialing in on this offense and seeing what we're able to do and they want to be able to kind of take from that. So to to me, I just I would hate to see McCardell leave. I think we might see our passing game coordinator leave. I, I forget his name to be quite honest. Um but it is interesting to see, and it's more of a it's more of a compliment than anything because that lets you know that you know offensively we're doing the right things and and attracting the right company. Yeah, I agree. And Kevin O'Connell being thirty seven years old, I mean, he's one of the youngest head coaches in the league. I believe Sean McZ- Sean McVay actually turned thirty seven today, I believe. But um, it's no, it's not a surprise that he's got a supporting cast of young guys who are all waiting for their opportunity to get that big job get a coordinator position Mm -hmm. uh, become a quarterbacks coach defensive coordinator whatever it may be and um, I think that's a great thing to have that youthful energy in the building and have guys that are all not necessarily using Minnesota as a stepping stone but are all going to make long careers after they're in Minnesota and get opportunities that they deserve whether it's offensive or defensive side of the ball uh, I do want to touch a little bit more on kind of the, what we saw in the Cowboys 49ers games and just kind of how those teams are constructed and what we can take away from, you know, how we want to potentially build our football team to be able to compete in games like that and yep. compete in the NFC championship. So what I see from the Niners particularly is, first of all, the offensive weaponry they have. You look at Christian McCaffrey, one of the biggest midseason trades, huge acquisition. You look at Debo Samuel, a guy that can catch the football, a guy that can run the football. You can basically put him anywhere you want on offense. George Kittle, probably probably the premier tight end in the game, if I had to say right now, yeah. in terms of speed, blocking ability, catching ability. Perfect he does, he does everything you could ask for. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, explosive young young receiver, runs great routes, beats man coverage. And then you look at a pretty solid offensive line as well. Elijah Mitchell to add yeah. to that fold. And then a guy like Brock Purdy, who comes out of nowhere. History and, you know, if you're going to be a guy that's coming into the NFL to start for a team down the stretch, what better team to do that for than the 49ers? Now, I'm not discrediting Brock at all. I think he's a pretty solid player. But I'm saying in this system with this personnel, I almost feel like it'd be hard to not succeed 
uh, with the supporting cast that you have around you. Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think their supporting cast is one of, if not the best in the league. Uh, some other things that stand out to me, though, about them is the physicality. I think all these teams remaining in the playoffs, they have that physicality that you need to win in the trenches, both offensive and defensively. Um, you know, you have to be able to stuff the run, set the line. And you know, when you're Hold blocking, the line. build those holes, give them areas to run through. And then when, once you're able to do that, then you're able to hit that play action game. Yep. And you're able to go over the top. And I think what pairs with that physicality is speed. You see that with Debo Samuel. Kittle can obviously run great routes and he's got more than enough speed. And then you've got McCaffrey. I mean, just electricity at every corner. You can't guard them all. And when you're able to bring that physicality, that's that's the true mix, the the secret sauce, you could say, in terms of where these teams are having success. It starts up front. And as soon as you can have that success up front, if you have the talent to supplement it, now you can take them off the top off the defense and you're going to have them on their heels the whole game. So to me, that's what stands out to not only the 49ers, but everybody left in this playoff race is the physicality that they have. A hundred percent. I think it starts with that as well. And then it's just about getting the ball to your playmakers in space. And to me, it seemed like the Cowboys are still maybe one or two pieces short on offense, especially after losing Tony Pollard. I I believe he broke his fibula early on in the game. Um, they had to look to guys like C.D. Lamb, who's probably their best weapon, and then a kind of Zeke with a lot of mileage on him and a huge contract as well. Can't really make explosive plays like we were used to seeing in his rookie year and even his days at Ohio State. So I think that's kind of the difference is having you know, those weapons for San Fran on offense are just impossible to be denied. I mean, you yep. could just go to any single one of those guys at any given time and they're going to make a big play. Um, my question for you is I think something that the the Vikings offense is kind of missing a little bit is somewhat of that gadget guy, kind of like a Debo Samuel who can run routes, who can get the ball in the backfield. And we kind of have a guy who potentially, you know, is a very similar player to him. I'm not going to say Jalen Rager is any type of player near Debo Samuel at the moment. But from a physical standpoint, uh, do you think we could do some of those things that Kyle Shanahan does with Debo Samuel with a guy like Jalen Rager? Yeah, and honestly, I was a bit surprised to see it not happen as much. Um, you know, I think just his involvement in this offense hopefully increases a lot more going into the next season. Uh, it felt like when we had him out there, it was almost too obvious that we were running a play for him because he's never out there any other time than when we're running a scripted play for him. And he was able to make plays that, that play against uh, the Bears is actually exactly how I see him kind of being a, a dynamic piece in this offense. Just a quick little end around there and he makes a huge move on the um defensive end and for him to shake him out of his shoes like that that just shows you the the ability that he has and what he can do um with space and i just feel like for kevin o'connell he needs to find a way to really um utilize that more because like you said he may not be debo but he has a lot of those traits and qualities and we need to make sure that we're maximizing those so that this offense can open things up so that they can't just hone in on jefferson and double team him Yes, Matt, I'd love to see us utilize him similar to Debo Samuel. I I do think they're quite different players at this point in time, but I think there's still potential to be unlocked there. And as long as we're talking about the 49ers, a name that's been floated around in trade talks, uh, quarterback Trey Lance, former very high draft pick out of NDSU. Um, it appears that they're going to roll with Brock Purdy going forward here is what the news is anyways. Um, that Brock's going to continue to roll regardless of what happens uh, at the end of this year for them, whether they win the Super Bowl or not. So 
with a guy like Trey Lance and all that athletic ability, um, people are saying that we could potentially get him for a second, third round pick. Um, obviously injects a ton of youth into our offense. Um, is there any concerns with Trey Lance? Do you think this would be something we should explore? Or do you think it's something that we should put a kibosh to right now? No, I think it's something that we need to explore. Um, I think the whole situation in terms of what's gone on in San Fran and how that's transpired and then his ties to Minnesota, it actually makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, everybody's talking right now about that future at quarterback beyond Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. right? We have this next season with them, and after that, nothing's guaranteed. Uh, so you have to try to find someone who can pair with Jefferson for the next handful of years because obviously he's going to be getting that bag, and we're going to need to find that quarterback that he trusts moving forward. Trey Lance, former first-round pick, NDSU product, baller of an of an athlete can play the position i think he was a little bit sold short with not only his short season but then that injury mm-hmm. you can't knock brock purdy he's came in and take took advantage of that whole situation there's, there's no way that he's not their starting quarterback next year just based off of what happens right now i think even if he lost next week he's still penciled in as that qb1 mm-hmm. um the 49ers are in a great spot right they've got garoppolo lance and Purdy. So for them, they for sure are going to be looking to get rid of those QBs. And I think if we can flip a second or a third for Lance, not only the reasons I like it are because he's got the talent. The thing that scares me the most is the injury. But as long as the doctors clear that, right, you have a guy that's not only not a rookie, he's got a full season under his belt, learning playbooks, learning the NFL, getting used to that speed. He's already started a couple games. Mm-hmm. Now, that just, I think, gives you a leg up over maybe trying to force your way into getting a, a rookie quarterback who really where we're at right now at 23, you're probably going to get realistic. a project-type guy anyways, like an Anthony Richardson-type guy who's going to have to sit behind Cousins anyway. If you had asked me if I wanted Anthony Richardson or Trey Lance to sit behind Cousins, I'd tell you Trey Lance any day of the week. And to be honest, if we can make that move, why not? I think the homecoming bit plays perfectly into – Letting him recover from that ACL, sit behind Kirk, let Kirk do his thing. The sad thing is Kirk might have the writing on the wall if we trade for him, but it is what it is. It's that championship standard. We need to make sure that we're planning ahead and not just trying to appease everyone at the same at the same time. So, yes, I am totally interested. If the price is right, let's go out and get him because, to me, why wait around and try to see if a rookie quarterback not only progresses but works with Jefferson? I think Trey Lance could pair well and provides that mobility aspect that i feel like vikings fans have been clamoring for. oh 100 vikings fans are in love with the idea of a mobile quarterback and it's hard to disagree with a lot of them uh when i initially heard this rumor i thought there's no chance like this doesn't make sense but you kind of hit it on the head with you know first of all the homecoming ties back to minnesota yep. marshall product um but it is about planning for the future at this point we pretty much have two options we extend cousins again or we try to find a successor. Now, there's a couple things that are interesting in this scenario um, that I did talk about briefly. But imagine this scenario if they didn't have Brock Purdy right now and Trey Lance goes down for the year. And we always knew about Kyle Shanahan's infatuation with Kirk Cousins. Could've imagine what that trade could have been like. A Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins for Trey Lance. I don't, there would have been draft compensation in there as well. But that's something to think about. If Brock Purdy wasn't in the fold, this could have very well made Shanahan's dreams come true and bring Kirk Cousins out to the Bay Area, which is something that he's been frequently linked to is, you know, kind of his love for Kirk Cousins and the way he moves the football. So 
Another thing to think about is bringing Trey Lance in, bringing a guy like this in. When you bring the successor into the building, um, the vibe around the starting quarterback tends to change because people start to look towards the future. You look at the Green Bay Packers scenario currently and in a few years past since they drafted Jordan Love. They've known that the successor's in the building and half the fan base is on board with when are we going to see this guy get Rodgers out of here and the other half of the fan base is on keep Rodgers around as long as possible. So that's something that I don't want to mess with personally. I think that can ruin chemistry is bringing the successor into the building. But with a good culture and a good chemistry, I think that is something that minimizes a problem like that. I think when you have a strong front office and people understand their role on the team, um, that makes that type of transition easier. But it's definitely something to think about when you bring a high-profile guy in like that that was just selected in the top five a couple of years ago in the draft. Um, all of a sudden, everyone on the team knows Trey's going to be the guy. So, you know, where does that leave Kirk Cousins at that point? And how does that affect his ability to go out and give his best product every Sunday? Yeah, and that's an underrated aspect that people don't think about. I think that's uh, very fair and a very real thing in that locker room. Uh, but I think what you touched on is it all comes down to the culture and what that locker room believes in. You have to really have a, a locker room that trusts one another and trusts what the coaching staff is doing. Now, another point would be it's not a, never a bad thing to have two great quarterbacks, right? If you can have Cousins and Lance, not only does that give you trade value if needed, but it gives you that positional flexibility of if someone goes down, you have someone that you can trust to come in. Now, that's going to be the the balancing act that this front office has to make is if they do make a an acquisition of that type of player, a former first-round pick, you have to sit down with Kirk before this even goes down and yeah. say, hey, look, this is, you know, this is the reality. We see you as our starting quarterback this year. And, you know, and outside of that, we can't promise you anything. And that's competition. I mean, that's competition produces business. produces talent and it produces Pressure makes the best. diamonds. Exactly. <laughs> so for me, let's put the best people in that room and let it shake out. I think Kirk Cousins is enough of a pro to understand where he is in his career. Um, and where that may be as a Viking, it may not last the rest of his career. So he has to understand that all things might not, you know, last forever. Um, so for me, I worry less about that. It is something that is a concern because that is going to come down to the locker room and coaching staff to balance that out. But if you truly believe he's the guy that can replace Cousins, you have to do it and just let the rest shake out and see how, you know, see how it fares. You have to be confident in those decisions. Yeah, you definitely do. And I would love to hear Quezzi's analysis of, kind of this situation of course um one thing that is kind of i mean another thing to think about too is that in his couple i believe it was two starts in the kyle shanahan offense i mean he didn't really move the football very well and granted it is the first couple games of the year uh maybe shaking off some rust getting used to some new personnel whatever it may be but i'm just saying in his small sample size in the nfl he didn't produce the greatest product not to say that he doesn't have a bright future i'm just saying it's something to definitely take into account no it is but uh what what might be nice out of that is it's giving us that discount right because 100%. if he balled out those first two three games they're probably asking for it's one first or two round pick, first yeah. round picks mm-hmm. so for us maybe we take advantage of that um, but i think really currently on the docket we need to focus on some guys that have already been in purple and they're going to need to decide if they're going to stay there or be on another team let's go through the uh on you know our free agents who are going to be up for grabs in this upcoming off season i'll read off some names we're just going to do some simple would you resign or cut them or not even resign or cut would you resign or let them walk 
Um, it starts with Patrick Peterson, a veteran guy, just signed a one-year deal, has said that he wants to be back in Minnesota. Re-sign. I'm going to say re-signed too. Um, not only does he bring a lot in the locker room, but he still was balling out on the field given his age and everything. He can still produce for those reasons. I think we're both on the same page, re-sign. Next guy, Dalvin Tomlinson. This one seems pretty self-explanatory yep, too. You got to keep him around. He's, I'm re-signing. We don't have a ton of big bodies in the middle. Uh, someone's going to need to be drafted as well, probably this year. But um, he was our best interior yes, lineman. Absolutely, and Thanos paint on his on his hands is elite too. Yep, elite. Now this is where it gets interesting. Uh, center Garrett Bradbury. That's tough. I'm going to evaluate the market and then potentially re-sign. I think for the right price, you re-sign. But if someone's going to, you know, cough up a three-year, $24 million deal for Garrett Bradbury, be my guest. Sign yeah, him. I think you're spot on. I'm actually leaning towards more letting him walk. Um, a guy that I really would like to target is John Michael Schmitz, the mm-hmm. Minnesota center. I think we could get him mid-rounds, and not only would he be a great replacement, I think he brings a little bit more physicality. Yeah, uh, Bradbury did just have his best season in purple, and if we brought him back, I would not be upset at all. But if they're looking for that physicality and that extra strength up the middle at center, they may be looking for a bigger guy, and I think Schmitz provides that. And whether that's him through the draft or someone in free agency, they may be looking for a little bit more size. So for me, I'm going to say walk. But if we do resign him, I would be, you know, I wouldn't be uh, mad to say the least. Um, now moving on, a guy that came onto the scene and has uh, been a hot commodity in terms of Vikings fans is cornerback Duke Shelley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to not want to bring Duke Shelley back. Um, that's my question to you: is what does Duke Shelley's contract look like? What kind of dollars did he play himself into this year? Um, and what do you see as a realistic deal to bring back Duke Shelley, a guy that was cut by the Chicago Bears and then ended up gaining a ton of confidence in the second half of the season for us? Um, still somewhat of a small sample size, but he's certainly earned a contract. My question to you is what does that potentially look like? Yeah, I think you're spot on. He has earned a contract. I think you're going to look somewhere in the two to three year range with some incentive based money there um you know and i think it's you could see anywhere from two to two years 12 million to maybe even two years eight million it's going to be right in that and it probably depends on how much guaranteed money Mm -hmm. if it's a little bit higher there's probably going to be some incentive-based stuff that makes it look a little bit sweeter than it is i think he's right around that three to four million guaranteed range and if you have some incentives to let him build off of that and show what he did last season and do it again, great, then you can pay him that extra little bit. But I think you're going to see a little bit of an incentive-based deal with some solid but nothing crazy guaranteed money because he's a guy that I want to see stay around for sure. Yes, I love. I would love the structure of that deal as well. You get a couple of interception, PBU incentives. Um, these Just make him play for his money, really, and give him a nice signing bonus up front. He's definitely earned that. Um, would hate to see him walk and go to another team because you know there's other teams around the league that have him. Sure. Uh, in their sights for sure yeah and this is another tough one running back alexander madison has been one of the most impactful backup running backs in the league seems to be due to get paid here um nick how, do you see us resign him or do you see us kind of letting him walk there well, it's just going to come money? down to the decision we make regarding dalvin cook yeah. um if we cut dalvin cook we're probably going to want to sign madison um, and I think he'd be willing to stick around i do know him and dalvin are very close i know that'd be tough for him to see you know, one or the other go. But, you know, if we decide to keep Dalvin Cook, I think maybe we restructure his deal, um, convert some of that money into signing 
bonus and then like you said load that up with incentives as well and you know availability incentives so he's got to play a certain amount of games to you know get paid the full amount but uh, there's no question that a team's going to want to go and get alexander madison i mean he's a tough runner the guy is built like you know he's a fast fullback is like what i what i like to call him he's an agile fullback he could really do a ton of things for a team's running game, and he reminds me a lot of, you know, a little bit of a Nick Chubb, Kenneth Walker, power type back. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I'm going to have to say walk, um, and really the only reason I see him re-signing is exactly what you said on if Dalvin somehow leaves the team via trade or cut. Uh, I don't see them being able to afford both of them now that no. Madison's off his rookie contract. It was a great couple of years, though. Loved watching Madison, but unfortunately, I feel like it's trending towards him, you know, in a different color next year, um, which is going to be tough to see. But if that is the case, we wish him the best of luck because he has been nothing but a pro here. And I think he's going to do great in a, in a more um, high volume role, right? Mm-hmm. And another guy that's had a little bit of a tumultuous season. Was coming in with a lot of hype, ended with not as much, and that's tight end Irv Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, was supposed to be kind of our next big tight end. Didn't really pan out to be. Then the injury comes in right at the same time that we acquire Hawkinson. He has kind of fell behind the curtains, and now TJ Hawkinson is the core moving forward with, with Justin Jefferson. It's going to be tough to keep him in purple, but do you see a re-sign or walk? Um, I, I think he's going to end up on a different team, unfortunately. Uh, the icing on the cake, of course, is he the scores a playoff score. touchdown. Yeah, that's comes cool. back and makes a nice catch in the back of the end zone. Granted, he did uh, drop one earlier in the game, but like you said, he just felt like uh, we were always waiting for him to take that next step and really, you know, become that elite yards after the catch tight end. He's got a ton of athletic ability. I think in the right system and given the right opportunities, he stays healthy. He still could make a very nice career for himself. No question. A little bit of special teams action here. We've got our kicker, Greg Drosev, who has had some highs and some lows. 61-yarder has his high. Cut. But I think uh, I think we can both say let him walk. Yeah. Um, Just As much as guy. he's done for us, he hasn't brought the consistency. Um, he's got the leg for sure. We've seen that. Nothing to hide there. But the inconsistency, I think, is the biggest red flag there, and I could see them definitely drafting a guy or going out to sign someone a little bit more reliable. Um, So I think we're both on the same page there. We're going to let him walk. Um, A guy that's only been in purple for one season is Chandon Sullivan. He is a free agent after a one-year deal. Resign or walk? Once again, I think he falls into the category of guys who struggled picking up on this defensive scheme. Mm -hmm. Um, I I believe he's a 10th out of 41 eligible uh, nickel corners when he was coming over to us from Green Bay and he definitely showed some flashes on tape like a couple good PBUs in the Giants game actually but it just felt like you know we couldn't cover guys over the middle of the field and as yeah. a nickel corner you know one of your main responsibilities is you know being able to run with crossers uh, passing crossers off to other DBs so um, it's going to depend on if another team you know is in pursuit of him and wants to bring him in this next season but uh for the right price sure bring him back um someone else wants to offer him i say we let him walk yeah i'm leaning more towards letting him walk again uh i think we'll not only be able to draft a guy but um i think we'll be able to replace him want to give a shout out to what he's done this season but mm-hmm. uh you know when you have to make decisions well, you should, this could be different too because he had two 
he should have had two, two strip sixes, really. Yeah. Force the fumble and return them both to yeah. the house. I mean, that was ridiculous. Yeah, both and those, those were terrible calls. Are we talking about, you know, re-signing him if both those stand? That's fair. I think we definitely could. But again, um, you know, I just don't see us maybe having enough cap space to be that luxurious. There's going to be areas that we have to cut down on on cap and, and who we're giving the money to. And I just think Shannon's going to be asking what he's asking for and what we're willing to give is probably not going to match up, which is why I think we let him walk. Um, moving on to long snapper, Andrew DePaula. For me, this is an easy re-sign coming off a of Pro Bowl season. It's a long snapper position. Don't make anything harder than it needs to be. Let's get him back in purple and just have him do his job. Totally agree. Pro bowler. Sounds like he's well-deserved. Great locker room guy. Keep him around. Okay. Do a little rapid fire here. We got QB Nick Mullins, backup quarterback. Yes. I'm in re-sign boat. Re-sign. Even if we trade for Trey Lance or uh, draft a rookie, I think he's just such a solid quarterback as a number two. You keep him in purple because he's going to have a very favorable contract. Yes, and we did talk about how much safer we feel with the potential of him coming into the football game rather than Sean Mannion. Uh, he's a very viable backup, and I would like to see him stick around. Mm-hmm. Defensive line, Jonathan Bullard. Uh, this one's tough for me. Uh I would say resign if if the price is right. This one comes down to price for me. I'm gonna say resign just because I feel like he brings quality depth to this line. And yeah. if it's the right price, I I think we need that. So I'm gonna go ahead and say resign. Yeah, he he's dealing with injuries too. But there was probably two or three games this year where he really popped out on tape. He did have a sack in the playoff game as well. Yep. Um, I think he's a you know brings a lot of experience to the D line. I wouldn't be mad keeping him around at all. Yeah, and another depth piece on the offensive side is center slash guard Austin Schlotman came over from Denver. Again, had a couple games where he stepped in and was able to hold his own, which is huge as a backup. That screams wonders. Um, And to me, that's enough for confidence for me to have to say, hey, let's go re-sign him. Now, he did have a bit of a a rough injury there with that fibula. So we'll see how that shakes out. That would probably be the only thing that keeps him out of purple. Otherwise, I say re-sign him. Yeah, I would re-sign him as well. I think I think O'Connell really likes him as well, too, the way he stepped in. Uh, clean bone break like that. I'm optimistic about the recovery time. I think you keep him in purple. Another offensive lineman that's up for grabs here is Ole Udo. Has been back and forth as kind of a swing tackle, has started games, has been a backup, um, was able to step in these last few games and actually play pretty well, all things considered. Uh, due to that, I think he might have a little bit higher cap number than the Vikings were expecting. Uh, do you see a re-sign or a walk? That's tough because maybe we just had him playing the wrong position the whole time. When he started that guard for us, I feel like he was just playing out of position. When mm-hmm. he got drafted out of Elon, small, small school out east, he was all offensive tackle. And then obviously when you get to the league, you got to be flexible. You got to have the footwork to play inside and on the outside at offensive tackle. I think we just maybe were playing him out of position the whole time. I mean, I don't want to say he's, you know, starting caliber, lock him down right now, but I, I think he's more effective as a tackle than a guard. So, uh, yes, everything's for the right price, like we said, but, um, I would not be mad keeping him in as a backup. I mean, he gives me a lot more confidence than Rashad Hill used to. Does he not? Yeah, I think for sure, as long as we can re-sign him, uh, we should. He, he That swing tackle is crucial on this line, exactly for the reasons that we just saw. You lose a guy, Brian O'Neill, late in the season. Man, that injury still stings. Um, but to have a guy like Udo, who's not a rookie, who you're going to be kind of wondering what he can do, you already know what he can do out there for the most part. Uh, and I think that speaks volumes. So, yeah, I'm going to say re-sign him. 
moving on to a cornerback, Chris Boyd. He's been a special teamer, big locker room guy out of Texas, has definitely, you know, done a lot for being a seventh rounder. Um, uh, he's going to be – this is a tough one because he brings so much energy into that locker room, but being a fifth corner, there may not be as much value there as as there once was. So what do you see here, a resign or maybe let him go? I think um, it's probably a defensive coordinator's decision. Yeah. Um, also, you got to you know speak with Matt Daniels. He did make some plays on special teams this year. There's no denying that he was critical. And him recovering Rager's fumble in the playoff game as well was yeah. just a heads-up play. He's been – heads up on special teams really all year um as far as playing the cornerback position um we'd have to be down pretty bad to see yeah. him in the game in like a starting slot or even rotating in but i do think there's some ability there and like you said his best asset is just what he brings to the team camaraderie i think so uh, you got to look internally here see what he can bring to you in terms of special teams and then decide if you know that good camaraderie and good vibe surrounding him is worth him keeping around. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. Um, I I would like to keep him around if we can, just for everything that he brings on and off the field. Uh, but we'll have to see kind of what things bring in terms of after draft and, and what they value there. But he would be someone I'd like to see stay in purple. Now we'll finish with a couple guys here. We got two left. I'm going to start with Ola BC Johnson. Again, tough to see. He had a rough injury. You know, torn ACL just hasn't really had a chance in these last few seasons to make a name for himself. For that reason, I'm going to go ahead and say that they're probably going to let him walk. Mm-hmm. Um, best of luck to Olabisi. I, I hope he revives his career somewhere, but I just don't think it's going to be here in purple. Yeah, he ha- he had a good good couple games his rookie season. His touchdown at Ford Field, I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a nice play, but uh, like you said, just never had any injury luck. Couldn't stay on the field. Uh, wishing the best for him but i think this is one of the easier decisions for them to make yeah we'll finish off with uh another chicago bear who came over mid-season tonga kiris tonga uh was a valuable pickup was able to stuff the run due to these things i'm gonna say go ahead and resign him another i mean i feel like up front defensively we need as much depth as we can and tonga provides that so yeah. go ahead and say resign yeah he's very highly graded to pff like mm-hmm. I feel like he was in the right place at the right time, and he played with physicality, like you said. So um, I would love to bring him back. Yeah, I think that touches on all the free agents here, but it's okay, interesting I got to one kind for of you, you know, go through both of those. We we need to talk about CJ Ham too because I'm seeing a big, I'm seeing a trend on Twitter. People want to say, I think we save about three million if we cut him. Um, I believe he's under contract through next season, through 2024. Um, only used in 14% of our offensive snaps this year, which I think is a is a bit egregious, honestly, yeah. with uh, what he brings to the table as far as a skill set. Um, do you think he's a realistic uh, option to cut and save money here? Do you think there's different ways that we can use him within this offense? Um, obviously, a great special teams guy as well. Yeah. I think he plays on every unit. So um I'm a huge fan of him personally. I think every time he's been given an opportunity to catch the ball, run after the catch, obviously lead blocking for Dalvin all these years, uh, making tackles on special teams. I just I don't I don't see why he's not used as kind of that Kyle Uzcheck type player. Granted, he's maybe a little bit faster in San Francisco, but I think CJ can do just about everything that Kyle can do, and I think that is a testament to Kyle Shanahan's ability to call an offense first of all. But um, I just think that. 
he has so much higher of a ceiling than what we saw this year. And for him to only be involved in 14% of our snaps um, on offense is just something that seems like a lack of usage, really. Yeah, the bias side of me says to keep him in purple for life. He's another guy who I'd love to see retire in our colors. Um, but the realistic side tells me that his days may be numbered in purple strictly due to the usage, right? This yeah. offense doesn't value fullback as much as others do. And if you don't value that position and you can save $3 million, uh, knowing Quezzy and how he kind of works with numbers and analytics, mm-hmm. I would lean to think that he's going to probably let him go. Um, now, I do feel like we underutilized him. I think that there's so many different ways that you can put Ham in favorable situations. We've seen him making one-handed catches yes. up the sideline, Yes, you know, runs up the middle with a fullback dive that he turns into 20 yards. He's an explosive fullback and someone that I'm going to be – it's going to be a pain to see in a different jersey. But ultimately, I think due to our offense and our scheme, we may see him um, in different colors this next season. Yeah, I just think kind of the you know the West Coast style that we're running, there's not much for him to be desired on the offensive side of the ball, which is unfortunate. Like we said, I think he could be used in the right system, so I wouldn't be surprised to go see him move somewhere else and find great success. Yeah. There's going to be some tough decisions in Purple Nation here. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of older guys and guys who we've had in these colors for multiple seasons. And it's never easy to see them go, especially for what they've done on and off the field is why I think it's even harder. These guys have been kind of ingrained in the community, have entrenched themselves in Minnesota and kind of become, you know, one of us here. Uh, So that's the tough part or that's the reality of this business in the NFL is everything comes to a close, but we have to just kind of embrace the new beginnings and, and new people that come here. I think I saw something really great. Um, you know, I'll always appreciate all the Vikings that have played for us. But at the end of the day, when we strap up next season, whoever's got that jersey on, you know, I'm going to have that same passion for. So it's all about the front of the jersey, not the back. Mm -hmm. Um, Not taking away anything from those players. But at the end of the day, whoever's rocking those colors, we're going to be riding with all day. That is an absolute fact. If you put the purple on, we are fans, no question. Um, One final thing that I've been meaning to ask you, honestly, is I've got this feeling about, you know, Adam Thielen. We talked about him last week. think he might be, you know, go try his luck somewhere else. Uh, The more I think about it, I just see, as long as we're talking about incentive-based contracts, I could see a restructure with him, um, low base salary, incentive-based contract to stick around. I still think that he has a lot left to be desired here in minnesota you know his dream was not only to go to nfc championship but go to a super bowl with this team and i don't think he's quite ready to you know close the page of that book as long as kirk cousins is still our starting quarterback yeah i i would i would tend to actually want to see a restructured contract another guy it seems like we've said this about three or four but these guys have been around for so long i'd love to see him stay in purple and gold he's done so many good things for us and is just uh of really an anchor in that locker room for what this team is about and how they want to carry themselves for that reason um, i'd love to see a restructure now the things that make me nervous are all the things we see on social media his wife may or may not be throwing some things out there kind of leaving things vague and, and questions in people's mind as to where he may be next season ultimately regardless of all that smoke and mirrors i want him back in purple and i think a restructured incentive-based contract is the way to go about that because if he does ball out then you pay him correctly if he doesn't you pay him that 
that guaranteed money and you kind of you wipe your hands clean and you get into next off season. But uh, yeah, I would like to see him stick around in purple. I think it's a very realistic possibility and we're just going to have to wait and see. This is Nick with the Vikes Verified Podcast. Thanks for tuning in again. We are looking forward to this off season and can't wait to keep covering this team all year long. Time to keep it rolling into the off season. Let's get hot into free agency and draft. We'll keep it coming for you. Coverage is going to be dialing in even harder as we get closer to draft day. Skull bikes, baby. Skull. <laughs>